Two score and three weeks ago, we brought forth upon this podscape a new podcast conceived in boredom and dedicated to a proposition that all movies that fail to launch a franchise or spawn a sequel are worthy of discussion. This is the disenfranchised podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, just back from sharpening his silver-plated axe, is my co-host, Brett Wright. How are we doing, Brett? Uh, good day, Stephen. And also with you, Brett, how are you this fine morning? I am well, sir. How are you? Grand. Just grand and lovely. Uh, and also joining us this week is uh, a man with the height, build, and beard to put our 16th president to shame. He is the author and star of the Endless Elsewhere podcast. He is also our very first returning guest ever. Joining us back from our Space Truckers episode, please welcome back to the show, Mr. J.P. Leck. Joseph, how are you, sir? I am very well, gentlemen. How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, it's my pleasure. I just found out that I am your first repeat guest and i am truly touched yeah it's that is uh that is a uh an honor that we reserved for you oh well thank you for uh bestowing honor upon my honor not only were you <laughs> our very first guest but you're the first guest to ever go yeah i'll come back yeah of course so yeah <laughs> absolutely and i'll be back at third and fourth and however many times you want uh we'll 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 have you back whenever man you're one of our favorite people, one of our favorite guests. So absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, and you have chosen a movie for us this week. Brett, what movie did Joseph choose for us to discuss this week on Disenfranchised? Uh, in honor of our nation's birthday, July uh, yes. 4th, we will be discussing Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Ah, uh, yes, that is 2012's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, directed by Timur Bekmambetov and written by the novelist Seth Graham Smith, uh, starring Benjamin Walker, Dominic Cooper, Anthony Mackie, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Rufus Sewell, Martin so Sokas, sorry, Martin, uh, Jimmy Simpson, and the great Alan Tudyk, among others. Uh, what a film that you've chosen for us this time. Uh, Joseph, was there any particular reason why you selected this movie for us to cover? Well, for those unfamiliar, my criteria for coming on this show is that it has to be a movie I've never seen, and I choose it by the title. The more zany, the better. Um, that explains Space Truckers and now, right. now Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which I recall having come out, but I never got around to seeing it until very recently. Okay, so um, as opposed to Space Truckers, which you had no familiarity with mm. whatsoever. Strangely, like, it, it was very strange that that had not ever been on my radar. But yeah, that was a nice little find. That was absolutely. And now it's streaming free on Amazon Prime, which you yeah, pointed we out all, to us. We shelled out like what eight bucks when we all watched it a few yeah. months ago. I was gonna <laughs> that was say, us. We did yeah. that. <laughs> we, we all we all own it. Yes. That yeah, that is a thing it. that happened and we we let it happen. So because because of our eight dollars, it is now able to be streamed for free. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you right. are one hundred percent correct. <laughs> There's no doubt that's what happened. Uh, so yeah, and and everyone else who shelled out eight dollars to watch that movie before they listened to that episode, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there, there you go. It was a disenfranchised bump. That's what got it put on streaming. That <laughs> must that must have been it. <laughs> the people I mean, are demanding it. <laughs> it is. It is one of our more popular episodes. So oh good, I, good, I, good. I would I would believe that. That's um, yeah. It's I'm 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 consistently amazed looking over you know our 
our download history, just what episodes hit and which ones don't. It, it's mm. it's truly bananas. What's been your best one so far? Uh, our first one is is the best one, Super Mario Brothers, because everyone either one. A starts at the beginning or B just wants to know how bananas. Oh, that sure. That's crazy. That that's movie was voyage right there. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, I think if I'm not mistaken, it is. Uh, is it Power Rangers? Is that our second one, Brett? Because it shot up that high. I think it actually might be solo now that I think about it. Hang on. Mm. I'll pull, I'm pulling up the numbers right now. People those numbers. Star Wars rants, man. People tune in for that. I mean, that. You'd be surprised. There's man. entire podcasts built around those. <laughs> you're, you're, you ain't lying nope. for sure. <laughs> Let me. This is gonna say those numbers. I was unprepared to to. Disclose, I'm sorry. I should. I, I shouldn't have even asked. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, but you've asked, and now everyone wants to know. So and they do. They're. Uh, it is so. Our our number two episode go. is Solo: A Star Wars Story, uh, and then right behind that is uh, Van Helsing. And in number four, fourth place is Power Rangers. All right. So, yeah, th- those are our top four. And then uh, number five is Evil Dead. So that was a good one. That was a good one, too. So, yeah, a run of good episodes there. Space Truckers uh, coming in at number eight. Number overall. eight. So Closing yeah. out the call now. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's been our episode on April. Hey, 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 hey don't, don't blame us. Don't blame us. It's the listeners. Blame the listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault, listeners who yeah. listen who listen to us week after week for reasons we don't entirely know, but we really appreciate. How dare uh, you? Thank thank you for being you, honestly. Thank mm. you for your weirdness and for honestly giving that much love to an episode about a movie that hardly anyone has heard of. <laughs> it is it's truly incredible. So, but this week we are talking about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is based on uh, a novel of the same name by Seth Graham Smith, uh, he of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies fame, uh, and he wrote, is this is kind of another, uh, I guess, mashup novel, uh, which is where you take either an existing literary work or, in this case, an existing historical figure, and mash it up with common genre tropes. Uh, so, in the case of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, it's Jane. What if Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but zombies? Uh, for Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, it's what if Abraham Lincoln, but Vampire Hunter? I mean, that's kind of the the conceit of the mashup genre. Um, were any of you guys familiar with the novel? Had any of you guys read it before seeing this movie? Uh, is this your first time seeing this movie? Like what's Joseph, we'll, we'll start with you. What's your what's your history, familiarity level with this with this work, this genre, et cetera? Uh, Brett and I were chatting right before the call. Um, I remember the novel and I remember the movie coming and going. I never actually read or saw the film, so it's all new to me. Um, but Brett, you said you had read the novel and that it was pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, I, I had read the novel before the movie came out. I think I finished it after the movie came out, but I was in the middle of reading it. But um, yeah, the novel... Uh, it's kind of insane how much research Seth Graham Smith did uh, historically, because it is literally just a retelling through journal entries of Abraham Lincoln's life, just with a few, you know, bits and pieces. He was hunting vampires on the side <laughs> with, like his, you with, do. with his vampire friend. Um, <laughs> and it was, is really good. Um, and I was, upset with the movie at the time because it is completely different while being written by the same guy 
So I was like, why would you change your own work this much? You, you were the chosen one. Um, <laughs> but I get why he changed it now. We'll get into that later. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's my history. I didn't like the movie as much at the time, but uh, with this second watch, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more. Gained a little for you on this rewatch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this was a property I was familiar with. I, I was actually working at Barnes and Noble when this novel came out, when Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters and kind of all of the the mashup novels that kind of came in the wake of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies uh, were coming out. So I was loosely familiar with the mashup as a genre, but I had not actually read any of these. I, I kind of looked at it and went, that looks ridiculous. Um I still feel that way. It's it's it seems absolutely ridiculous, but I don't necessarily now think that ridiculous is a net bad term. Sometimes ridiculous things can be great. Um, whether or not this is a great thing, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, but the uh, so I was familiar, and the movie came out, and I really had no desire to see it. Um, but you know, it it fit our criteria, our, our fairly loose criteria for what we consider a failed franchise starter. So we put it on the list and handed that list to Joseph and he decided that's the one. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, so I have bad. seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Good or bad. And so I have, I have seen this movie now and I have some thoughts. We're not going to share those thoughts. Nope. Um, I'm just going to keep them to myself. We're just, we're, I mean, none of us are going to give our opinion and that's the show. That's it. And that's our episode. Everybody. We did it. <laughs> Let's see how many times we can make that joke before this episode is over. It's been two so far. Two so far. I Comedy comes track. in threes. So uh, let's see if we can uh, go over that. Um, does anyone have any uh, familiarity with like other sort of revisionist history novels or other genre mashup novels? None that eclipse the popularity of the ones you've already mentioned. Okay. The, uh, yeah. the, uh, the Jane Austen one was really big. And obviously the Abraham Lincoln one was quite big. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, no, not really. Okay. Fair enough. I'm just, just curious as to, to whether or not what, what experiences you guys had had, if any, uh, with those. Uh, but I guess since there is no familiarity, the time has now come for us to recount the plot of this film in 60 seconds or less. Yes, it's time for the plot in 60 seconds. That is where uh, one of us, usually at the behest of the coin of justice, but we, we have a guest. So in accordance with the law of the disenfranchised podcast, uh, that's you, Joseph. Yes, that's oh. you. All right. This went really well last time, so I'm pumped to do it again. Awesome. I love it. I love that you're stoked. <laughs> okay. I will, I, I've got 60 seconds on the clock. I will give you the 30 and 10 second warnings, a thing okay. that I am, have habitually forgotten to tell guests uh, for like the last five guests that we've had. Okay. Um, and then uh, I will let you know the time. So in the next 60 seconds, you, Mr. Luck, will give us the plot of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Are you ready? I am prepared, sir. Your time starts now. Okay, so as a boy, Lincoln's mother is killed by a vampire. He swears revenge as he grows older. He hunts down said vampire, tries to kill it. Uh, he fails and has almost killed himself, but then he's saved by a vampire hunter who takes him under his wing and kind of teaches Abe Lincoln to be a vampire hunter himself. Uh, let's see what happens after the van. Uh, uh, they set a trap for Abraham Lincoln because they know he's a great vampire killer now. He escapes said trap. He gets into politics, becomes president. The vampires infiltrate the Confederacy. 30 seconds. Um, oh, balls. 
They, uh, they need the Union Army needs silver with which to slay the Confederate vampires. Uh, they loaded up onto a train. Vampires attacked the train. It turns out it was all a ruse. And Mary Todd and some other people actually got the real train to the front lines. Uh, they defeat the Confederacy. They kill the vampires. The movie ends with Lincoln going off to the theater for what, promises, for what promises to be a lovely evening indeed. Boom. Because, <laughs> you know, that's, you know. A hundred percent. And that is <laughs> yeah. time, sir. Well done. Yeah, I got most of it, I think. My favorite part of that is Mary Todd and some people, which completely downplays the role of, wait for it, the Underground Railroad? Oh, yeah, that was a part of it, wasn't it? Uh, I have, a, there's a section of my notes that is moments of unhinged, unbridled absurdity. And the last one is, in all caps, three question marks, two exclamation points, Harriet Tubman? Was it Was it supposed to be some sort of joke because the train was on the railroad heading there, but then they used the they, underground railroad to get the train to, was they, that, was that what they were going for? They say yeah. in the movie, there's Do more they? than one railroad. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. Like that's there a line is. in this movie. There so it is. Th- yeah. It's not so much like that. That is, that is not only the joke. It is the whole point. Okay. Cheers. So wonderful play on words. Yes. I give credit for that then. Uh, yeah. And I was, I was completely, like I, I felt it was fairly obvious. Like as soon as we see them, like the the vampire played by Rufus Sewell kind of walk by them, you're like, oh, well, the, they clearly have the silver and he's just ignoring them. And then later it'll become obvious that he could have had them all along and gotten rid of the silver right then. But no. And uh, and and lo and behold, that's exactly what ends up happening. So, <laughs> yeah, it is it is a clever play on words for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that, that is, that is pretty much this movie. Some really incredible performances in this movie. The cast of this movie is absolutely unbelievable. Um, like every, I I swear every time someone popped up in this movie, I was like, Oh, Hey, it's that. Oh, Hey, I had the exact same experience. I'm like, (laughs) Anthony Mackie, what? Mary Elizabeth yeah. Winston, what? Okay, it, cool. It's literally a whole movie of me doing the Leonardo DiCaprio point. <laughs> exactly. At the at the screen. Uh, because, I mean, it is. It's it's Dominic Cooper. It's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Anthony Mackie, Alan Tudyk, Rufus Sewell, like just a Jimmy Simpson, just a veritable who's who of like sci-fi and sci-fi character actors, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a murderer's row. Uh, and then you've got our star, Benjamin Walker. Uh, who I have probably never seen in a movie ever. Uh, same. I was having trouble placing him. Has he done work since? He he has done work since he was in uh, apparently the uh, he was in Jessica Jones. Oh, okay. Uh, as okay. a character called Eric Gelden. Gotcha. Um, I don't remember enough of that show to remember who he is in that show. I didn't see him. Um, he's he's uh, in the heart of the sea. The choice. The king's daughter. Love is blind. He's actually in the TV show, The Underground Railroad, interestingly enough. Oh, okay. So they um, saw this movie and they were like, okay. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, I mean, this is just a straight line. Have to somebody, connect somebody, these dots here. Somebody sent an email. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the end, he had done a few things before. He was in the Clint Eastwood film, Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, oh, okay. He played uh, young Liam Neeson in the 2004 biopic, Kinsey, uh, in which Liam Neeson plays Kinsey. Right, uh, and then he's also in the uh, made-for-TV HBO uh, biopic of Betty Page called "The Notorious Betty Page." 
Okay. So, I mean, he's done, he's done some stuff. Good on him. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it turns out a few of those things I've actually seen. Uh, it's just, I don't recognize him in any of them. Sure. I mean, all those prosthetics he wears during the movie, it's kind of hard to. <laughs> and yet he never really looks the, the that nose much is, like Lincoln. The nose is fake throughout, correct? It, Am it I right? would almost have to be. Okay. And you're right. He he really did, it didn't add much to make him look like Lincoln. I didn't quite understand that. No, I mean I I in a movie chock full of historical accuracy, he barely even looked like Lincoln. My only complaint about the film. The rest of it, Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss, ten out of ten, perfect film. <laughs> um, but no, I mean no. This um my my letterbox review for this movie is uh based on my favorite quote from my favorite Wes Anderson movie, Wes Anderson, a director I'm generally not familiar or that all that thrilled with, but Royal Tenenbaums, um, Royal Tenenbaums is my favorite movie. It's we all know, of course, that the historical Abraham Lincoln did not, in fact, fight off hordes of the undead. But what this movie presupposes is that maybe he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because uh, that's, that's you don't pretty know. much you what you weren't there. You don't know. That's yeah. that's exactly what this movie is doing. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know, that guy, Abraham Lincoln. Wouldn't it be cool if he just like killed a whole bunch of vampires? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> this movie does a fantastic job of just making you want to go read the book, which is just like a 10 times better version of the story. Mm. And I know that's something a lot of people say about like movies that are based on books where the book is better. It is no truer than with this movie. I was going to say just... it's almost always true. There are a few instances where it's not like, say, Jaws, a movie that we kind of cut. After the recording, Joseph, we need to talk to you a little more about that that Jaws email that you sent us a while back. That was we Actually, have not properly discussed that with you. We are not allowed to discuss that. Actually, any mention of it all beyond what you have already done will rip a tear in the fabric of space time. So I ask you for silence on that subject from here forward. Brett, cut this out. Okay, now I've got to know what this is. <laughs> all right then, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, Brett. Uh, so you you are, I think, probably the of all of us, probably the subject matter expert uh, on this on this topic. So, tell us a little bit, like what what does the book do that's so much better than the movie? What does the movie get wrong that the book gets right? Um, or or maybe what does the book just do generally better than the movie does? Well, so I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. It, it's it it is a beat for beat retelling of lincoln's life like to i mean not to an extreme degree like you couldn't compare it to a history book or anything but it matches up a lot of the major things and manages to incorporate um vampires into it very well it he manages to integrate lincoln being a vampire hunter into his life and it's just seamless um hmm. but i do think there's something that the movie does get right which I, I'm pretty sure it's in the book is when historically um, when the North was losing the civil war, they needed, they were low on supplies and needed to raid people's houses for metals and silvers to create ammunition. Um, so to weave that it's genius. Like when I'm like, absolutely. They needed silver. So they hide it under the guise of, well, we're in, we need supplies. We need metal to make ammunition. So sure. Um, but really they needed silver to kill the vampires in the Confederate army. Hmm. Um, and it's, so really, if you take that and extrapolate it and do a bunch of different things in his life, it's, it's perfectly woven into everything. And it's a really fascinating read, not only as like, uh, like a horror sci-fi story, but also as like 
you get to learn a little bit about Abraham Lincoln's life at the same time. Which, hey, bonus. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's there's made basically two big differences, though. And I understand them now more than I did uh, when I originally saw this movie. And the first one being is there is no main antagonist. There is no central vampire figure leading all the other vampires. Okay. Um, there is no Adam. Which I get, you need an antagonist in a movie, mm-hmm. right? You need somebody to focus all of your hatred towards, you know, not a nebulous. You need a big bad so that you know when the when the villain is actually defeated because the actual villain has been defeated. Right. Rather exactly. than having this nebulous, I guess, most of the vampires are gone now, question mark, kind of ending. Yeah. Um, the The second one being there is no big climactic, uh, ending on the train that entire train scene is not in the movie or not in the book but the underground railroad scene is right uh, i think so okay so as long as one of those railroads makes it into the into the actual source material then oh I'm yeah fine. I'm, I'm positive it did at some point i mean it's been a while since i read the book but um i, I do recall it is in there somewhere and so i guess there there is a third thing which is kind of important is which you can't really say they left it out of the movie because the movie kind of stops before it gets to this point i guess sort of which is where maybe a sequel could have gone um is after john wilkes booth who is a vampire uh assassinates uh lincoln uh what's his name his friend his vampire friend uh, played by Dominic, Dominic Cooper. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, his name is Henry Sturgis. Henry. Yes. Uh, Henry. Who is Tur- a real historical figure, right? Wasn't Henry Sturgis a real guy? Let me Google come to my aid. All right. Stephen will Google it. Brett, go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Henry turns him. Well, yeah, he turns him into a vampire uh, to save his life and then hunts down John Wilkes Booth and kills him. Lincoln turns into a vampire. Yes. Lincoln. Oh, is a wow. Vampire. Okay interesting so is the book ending like lincoln is still somewhere in the world yeah is that what you're left with there there's uh, hold on there's somewhere maybe he's doing like... podcasts the guy with the bearing <laughs> and the height of lincoln uh, I mean, maybe <laughs> what, are you, ta- oh, so what are you trying to tell us they're at um, that my nose is not prosthetic that's what i'm telling you <laughs> it it fast forwards to uh the i have a dream speech where him and Henry are watching it and commenting about it. Cheers. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The book does sound very intriguing. Yeah. And very different from what we see here, at least in terms of the ending, uh, which I find kind of interesting. I mean, we're not given any indication whatsoever. And I suppose that to, to your point, Brett, I suppose that is how you franchise this thing is maybe you do another, you do the sequel that kind of picks up where the, I guess the closing scene of this movie ends with basically a similar meeting in the bar between Henry and random person um, that very much mirrors the meeting between him and Lincoln earlier in the film. Uh, And then you have a whole movie with the two of them together doing something. And then at the end of the movie, you find out surprise, Abe Lincoln's been alive this whole time. And then you can in the third movie, go back and do something else with that. I don't know. That would kind of be my, at least my, on the fly script note. I'd watch that movie. Yeah. The same. Absolutely. 
there was actually though a sequel uh to the best of my knowledge henry sturgis not a historical figure at least oh, okay. not uh not in this context um gotcha. so so once again something historical this movie got wrong outrageous how dare they <laughs> Uh, however, this novel did, in fact, get a sequel. Um, the, the movie we're discussing, or not the movie, the book. I'm sorry, the oh, novel cheers, itself cheers. got a sequel. Let me let me hmm, do that over again. The novel got a sequel called "The Last American Vampire," which came about came out about six years ago. It is to date Seth Graham Smith's last novel, but it basically follows uh, Henry uh, as he kind of goes lives throughout the rest of the 20th century and kind of or i guess the 19th century where he i don't know meets like virginia dare and bram stoker and arthur conan doyle and stops jack the ripper and nikola Mm. tesla and rasputin are there too like it's just like kind of this whole hodgepodge of his of his life through the 19th and 20th centuries um all about Henry Sturgis and and what he's been how he's been keeping himself I suppose so huh okay so yeah there you go that too um, sounds very intriguing yeah uh and it has been announced it was announced in 2018 uh to be adapted for television but nothing's come of that in the last yeah. three years so okay seems like that might be something that COVID might have uh might have uh put the stake through the heart of as it were I'm sorry COVID what's COVID Oh, you see, there was this. Oh, hang on, this, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me just, I'm going to Google it real quick. How do you spell it? C-O-V-I-D. Yeah, I-D, you're good. I-D. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you see, in this timeline. Whoa. <laughs> you guys heard about this COVID thing? You got a lot of reading to do, buddy. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you might want to, just to get to the more relevant information, you might want to skip ahead to Delta variant, but yeah. Delta variant. Got it. Who is this? <laughs> trump guy that keeps coming up you know what we're yeah, just we're gonna mm. we're gonna gloss over that <laughs> you don't need to know <laughs> and that's the show folks all number, right that's number three good night everybody <laughs> sorry continue please <laughs> uh but yeah it doesn't seem like that that's going to 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 really continue on okay uh either um i i could be wrong maybe i am wrong and and maybe someday i will be just sitting on a shelf somewhere um, I was one thing that really kind of intrigued me here are the the differences in vampire lore, because mm. I think every major vampire property kind of reinvents vampires to kind of suit their own whim. And Brett, you maybe you're more uh, suited to discuss this topic as you are the vampire guy. Um <laughs> but um like there are like the power set for these vampires seems very different from what we've come to know as the stock standard vampire power set obviously there's the fangs there's the blood drinking uh but we also have invisibility uh immunity to sunlight or some loophole that they get around through the application of sunscreen question mark is that what it was yeah they it looks like some vampire in their community had developed sunscreen started selling it as sunscreen but really what it was is some sort of concoction that allows them to walk around in daylight 
And you see Henry applying it in like a scene, and that is literally the only reference to it through that. No, the entire it time. is. It is not. No, he walks into somebody. Lincoln walks into a store late at night. Uh, it's when he's going to kill the uh, pharmacist, the guy, mm-hmm. like the, one of his first kills. When he walks into the store, there's a big ad on the side of the building for it. Oh, okay. Mm. I, I guess I missed that one. Which that might imply too. that this is the guy making it. Sure. Possibly. But yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, they don't, they don't put a super fine point on it, but they put enough of a point that you get it. Okay. I mean, I got it after the the earlier reference, but perhaps, perhaps there was the one that I missed. Uh, there's also a vulnerability to silver. And the, the the I would say rather glaring omission that um, no one stakes any other vampires. Also, like there's no staking going on here. Mm. Uh, well, that's and, that's the weird one. Well, at least the one about like vampires can't hurt other vampires. That that's, was going to be the last one. That was going to be the last one I brought up. That yeah. one's so weird, and it feels very contrived. It feels very much like. We're just making this up so that way there isn't. We need a, it for the plot, everybody. It's we need it for work. the plot. <laughs> like there, there'd be a giant pothole you, or a plot hole you could drive a truck through if we didn't say this. So, right, absolutely, because it doesn't make a lick of sense. Well, I mean, is it some form? Of, is it some form of magic? Is there some? Is that what it's supposed to be? So I would assume, like, like some higher vampire power that would prevent vampires from killing each other. Well, because I found thing, that one very strange too. That was very strange. The, the other strange thing is how you become a vampire is apparently just because if you get bitten by a vampire and your soul is corrupted, right? Your your soul is not pure. You too will become a vampire. What? Yeah, is that, I thought that really? was strange too. Okay, <laughs> sure. I mean, it's not even really explained that way. I guess it's a throwaway line from Adam about it. That like she, you know, when he um, kills Henry's wife, and it's mm-hmm. like her soul was pure, but yours isn't, and then he turns into a vampire himself. I think of all the new, fresh takes they took on it, though, I think that was probably my favorite. I found that very interesting that not everyone bitten would become a vampire. I, I like that. I think there's something to that. I think the, I mean, because we're so on used, what... we're so used to the exact opposite, where you get a nick from a vampire, you're a vampire, like the idea of only certain people turn. That's kind of cool. I, yeah. I don't know. I think it depends on whose lore you're subscribing to, because there are some where like you have to drink the blood of another vampire. Mm. Like there, there are variations in that subset of lore to where it has to be like a volitional choice. Although based on the the relative purity of one's soul, I do think that's an interesting spin on that who gets but you know vampires are not zombies like you get bitten by a zombie you're going to turn into a zombie right but you know i don't necessarily feel like getting bitten by a vampire means that you're a vampire because usually all it means is you know you're going to be drained of all your blood and dead yeah it's a much better take i think yeah but again i think it it depends on what uh, because again vampire lore changes from story to story like there's no uh, there there are things that we accept as part of vampire lore. And then there are things that are flexible within vampire lore. Yeah. Everything you mentioned is something that's been brought up in with the exception of, you know, this turning into one and then other vampires not being able to hurt other vampires. Those are unique to this story, uh, but all the others completely flexible in other mm-hmm. vampire lore. They're there somewhere in other stories, the silver, the invisibility, uh, it's super strength and speed and all that. Flexibility. So. That is how I would describe this movie. Very flexible. In 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 a lot of different ways. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Very flexible movie. Yeah. This yeah, movie does yoga. This movie is so flexible. It's it's doing backflips. It's chopping down <laughs> trees with a single blow of an axe. It's 
you know, doing a, it, it's got a gun made out of an ax at one point. Like uh, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole it's, thing. It's so ridiculous. It's so good. Abraham Lincoln is like John Wick with an ax. <laughs> kind of. He kind of it. And at one point that again, that I cannot stress this enough. At one point, the ax is literally a gun. Yeah. Like yeah. he turns it around and he shoots the dude in the face with his ax. And yeah. he cuts a tree down with a single blow. With a single blow of the axe. Yeah. Because Abe Lincoln. That's why. And, yeah. and, and someone drives a, a horse-drawn wagon through a the the mansion of a southern plantation. <laughs> because why the hell not? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you? You guys are saying these things as if they're not incredibly fucking ridiculous and awesome. And I don't under, I don't understand. See, I don't get it. I will I will totally agree with you on the first point. They are totally ridiculous uh awesome honestly the 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 drawing the driving the carriage into the mansion is kind of awesome the rest of these i'm just like going what like is that because on the one hand this movie seems like it's trying to at least present as somewhat historically accurate or historically appropriate and then you get an axe made out of a gun or a gun made out of an axe and you're just probably the that's what? like the main flaw. I mean, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. You know, skipping ahead to show my hand here. I, I enjoyed the movie. But I think Stephen's right. It's when you have something that's supposed to be, you know, based in so much historicity, but then you make it over the top, crazy, bonkers, cartoonish violence. It's just kind of like, where's the tone here? It's like, what are we doing? But that's that's really my only complaint. I'm everything else was pretty great. I mean, it, it it this had a similar effect to me of the cons what I would call the Constantine problem. Sure. Which, you know, the the movie Constantine, which is one of the early films that we discussed in this podcast, not a movie I particularly enjoyed because I was very much a fan of the comics and the tone that those set. And the movie sets a completely different uh, tone. You know, you've got a, a, a gun that's a crucifix. And that's, again, what? Like at no point in the comics does John Constantine have a gun shaped like a crucifix. And yet there he is. There's Keanu on the cover strutting towards the camera with a this giant gold crucifix gun and you're just like what even is this movie and i don't know anytime someone makes a gun out of something that's not generally supposed to be a gun i i it confounds me to no end and there's such a such a missed opportunity there because you could very easily make the sight at the end of the barrel a cross because a sight is a cross anyway that would have been so much better they should have just done that Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my two cents. Brett, what were you saying? Well, look, I was just going to say it's pronounced Constantine. No. <laughs> it, Brett, I made, I made a very clear distinction to reference the comics huh. before I said the name. If I were talking about Keanu in the movie, I would have said Constantine. Much like I did on that episode, I tried to draw a very clear delineation between the <laughs> comics that I love and the movie that I didn't. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Do I know you? that is often hard to believe, <laughs> but know, I know what uh, I'm doing. Fair enough. Fair enough. At least I would like you to believe that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's Power Rangers all over again. God help us. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> let's talk a little bit about, because I kind of promised it in our um, our episode last week, kind of alluded to it last week, um, since we're recording this stuff kind of out of order in our last witch hunter episode let's talk a little bit about the career of the director uh timur bekmambatov he is a 
looks like a Kazakh director uh, born in when Kazakhstan was a part of the USSR uh, in 1961 um, is a has directed a number of Russian films, but he has directed a couple of movies that we will definitely discuss on this podcast. Uh, He directed the 2008 film Wanted, starring Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy. Uh, And he also directed the uh, most recent attempt uh, in 2016 to reboot Ben-Hur, uh, as well. So uh, a couple of possibilities of things that we might be able to discuss, uh, but was a uh, a Russian filmmaker uh, or uh, directed films in in and around uh, the areas that comprise the former Soviet Union. He's the night watch day watch guy, night right? watch day watch guy. Yep, absolutely. I was I was just about to say that, I remember having enjoyed those. I saw those when they came out ages ago. I remember enjoying them and, and I have not seen them they're at all but they bananas, look bananas but they're really great. cool yeah uh yeah so i might have to check those out but i mean that those are his claim to fame for sure night watch and day watch uh released in 2004 and 2006 respectively and i would assume on the strength of those he then gets wanted um he also uh is the director of a film uh, a comedy film called six degrees of celebration uh which is a, a russian epic comedy so okay. there you go all right um but yeah uh so mostly a uh, uh looks like a russian uh filmmaker or, or someone who who makes films in russia and then occasionally will pop back over uh and make a make a hollywood feature he has directed it looks like three three hollywood features the three that i mentioned so there you go uh i need actually need to check on this one because it is not a movie i'm familiar with um, has he had a lot of uh commercial success uh, well, it would. Uh, I don't know how any of these movies did at the box office. Uh, none of them got sequels. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you that much for free. Remember what podcast you're on, Mr. Leck. Correct. <laughs> these I did mean, not do so well at the box office. I mentioned this film and two others that uh, that could have been this, that could be for future discussions on this podcast. Uh, and then told you he directed three American features. So, yeah. So he's done. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know. He was uh, tapped to direct the uh, the film we discussed last week, Vin Diesel's um, The Last Witch Hunter. An episode that has not aired yet. Correct. And at you the will time get, of this recording. <laughs> yes. At the time of this recording, you will get to listen to it uh, this, ne- this upcoming week as it stands. Everyone else has already heard it. So this is one of those fun little time conversations <laughs> that we get by recording episodes well in advance of their air date. Time is an illusion, everybody. Time is a flat circle and we all luxuriate in it. Um, But yeah, so he was originally tapped as the director of that film, had to drop out uh, probably to develop, I would imagine, this film or uh, perhaps um, maybe uh, Yolke 1914, which it looks like is a sequel uh, of sorts to um, the Six Degrees of Celebration film that he also directed, Mm. um, which is called Yolke in Russia. So there you go, Um, would, would be my guess. But apparently that that's its own franchise in Russia, interestingly enough. So okay. I think I think he's got a lot more uh, his success rates a lot higher in his uh, in his homeland than it is here, mm. as is often the case with with a lot of filmmakers who strike big in the country of their country of origin, get brought into Hollywood. Uh, you know, your John Woo's, um, 
you know, they'll, they'll make, you know, some really incredible films in their, their homeland. They'll come over here, they'll make a few, they don't really hit, they go back and they keep making films there. So, which is not to say that, uh, that Timur is done making films in America. It's just that the three that he's, he, that he has made here are not, we're not particularly successful. Um, Did you say this is the most recent one? No, the most recent one is the 2016 Ben-Hur. Right. Ben-Hur, Ben-Hur. Okay. So, I might check that out. I like the Ben Hur story. That one's got Morgan Freeman in it for some reason. Oh, okay. Not yeah. as Ben Hur. Instant gravitas but... of Morgan Freeman. Correct. I mean, that's uh, it's got uh, actually Jack Houston plays Judah Ben Hur. You've hmm. also got in that movie uh, Rodrigo Santoro, Morgan Freeman's in there. I'm trying to look for other you know fairly big named actors that are in there, and I'm drawing a blank here. There's not uh, not a lot of actors I've heard of. Gotcha. Um, it actually looks like a fairly international cast, which seems kind of awesome, but yeah, that's it just, cool. it just means I haven't heard of a lot of these actors, unfortunately. Sure. But yeah, Jack Houston uh, plays uh, Judah Ben-Hur, Jack Houston, who let's, let's apparently we're doing a, we're doing a sidebar on, on Ben-Hur. <laughs> are we? Do we have to? <laughs> I, I get it's where we are now. He's apparently in the, the show Outlander. Uh, or is that the show? Or is that the no? That's the movie Outlander. I'm sorry. Uh, another potential movie we can, I'm assuming, discuss on this podcast maybe one day. I don't know. The Jim Caviezel, John Hurt movie, Wolf, uh, or Outlander, which is uh, it looks like a retelling of uh, Beowulf because we need another one of those. Hmm. Okay. You know how not enough not enough times has the uh, the movie uh, Beowulf been readapted. But yeah, Jack Houston. Uh, apparently, he's he's been her. He is uh, the grandson of the great director uh, John Houston, and the nephew of Angelica Houston, Morticia and or Morticia Adams herself, oh, and wow. uh, Danny Houston. So yeah, there you go. Mind Couple blown. of uh, he's wow. uh, he's one of the one of the 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 great Houstons. But yeah, there you go, Ben Hur. Okay, Brett, you can cut all that out. Yeah, I probably will. jack houston notoriously not in this movie we're supposed to be talking about i don't know what you mean abraham lincoln vampire hunter uh but you know what he probably could have been he he, he was probably in there somewhere we just didn't see him he (laughs) probably had a cameo somewhere i don't know in the background um but so the the performance in this film that i was most uh most surprised and delighted by uh, I have to say Alan Tudyk as Stephen Douglas uh, was not expecting that at all, but uh, boy, howdy, was that, was that a fun little reveal where, <laughs> where he comes walking and you're like, Oh, it's Alan Tudyk. Oh, and he's Stephen Douglas. That's great. I just would have liked a scene of them actually debating. Like, you know, you hear about the great Lincoln Douglas debates. I would have loved to see them actually sparring off against one another if, or that, you know, Douglas had somehow been in league with the vampires for a time, you know, however, I don't know. I think that could have been very interesting and very fun. Refresh me. Cause it's been about a week since I've seen this, but did yeah. Lincoln steal Mary Todd away from him? Were they, did they say that they were engaged at the beginning in the movie? According yes. to this film. Am yes. I remembering that? Okay. Okay. As to the historical accuracy of that statement. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I have my doubts. No, say it that way. No, I, that's not some. Well, I mean, I don't know if the movie is less historically accurate, but see, I don't think it was because um, I mean it's written by the same guy, like I said. So, I don't mm. think that's something 
he's he seems to be a stickler for the historical accuracy parts when he needs to be so i feel like so i feel like yes that that actually did happen i'm okay so now we know why they're lifelong rivals i mean that would certainly make sense hang on a second i'm actually going to google this steve steven's actually going to do the research we don't normally do this on this <laughs> live on we yeah we don't normally research anything uh we just kind of you know i don't know maybe stuff happens but before she married it this is wikipedia so you know the, the bastion the Grand bastion of knowledge got it uh, before she uh, married Abraham Lincoln, Mary was courted by his longtime political opponent, Stephen Douglas. Oh, okay. So apparently they were, uh, he, he had courted her as to what extent that courtship had lasted. Uh, I am uncertain. Interesting. Okay. But, I mean, she was a prominent member of the Illinois Society. So it certainly makes sense that both men would have uh, attempted to curry her favor as a way of parlaying that into uh, political uh and financial providence so sure so romantic i know right mm, just makes my heart sing uh just the pitter patter um it's also really incredible to see anthony mackie playing the uh the sidekick to uh another uh great american hero um that's that's <laughs> just that just always warms my cockles to see um anthony I, was mackie. Shocked. I was shocked to see him he he's one of those guys who was so he was a working actor for a long time before marvel got their hooks into him so it while it is yes absolutely surprising to see him pop up in stuff before he got to play winter soldier and he or he before he got to play falcon Falcon, in winter soldier yeah in the film captain america colon the winter soldier which was two years away at the time this movie comes out um it's always kind of surprising to see him and yet, by the same token, you're like, he's just turning in good performances. He's just doing good work. Hmm. Like, I mean, he was in Eight Mile, Hollywood Homicide, uh, the man, the uh, Jonathan Demi remake of The Manchurian Candidate, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, oh, okay. The Man, which is that Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Eugene, Eugene Levy comedy Levy movie. Yeah. Uh, Half Nelson, uh, We Are Marshall, uh, The Hurt Locker. Academy Award winning film, The Hurt Locker, yeah. Eagle Eye, Notorious. Like he played Tupac in the movie Notorious. I mean, he's done a real steal, potential future episode of this podcast, Real Steel. I mean, is that the Hugh Jackman robot boxing movie. Is that what that uh, it is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it did is. I describe it to a T just now? <laughs> uh, that was that was well done. Uh, I I completely skipped over and shame on me for doing so. The Spike Lee joint, She Hate Me, which he was in in 2004. Kind of, kind of glossed over that one, uh, and I wish I hadn't. How dare I? Uh, he's also in after this movie. He does Gangster Squad, um, Pain and Gain, the uh, the Michael Bay film Pain and Gain, The Fifth Estate. Uh, I mean, he and that's again all before Winter Soldier. So I mean, he is a working actor. It just takes like it does for a lot of people. It takes being in a Marvel movie to catapult them into kind to of be a household another name, level. Yeah. yeah, which of course now he is like he's. He's a, he is a household name. He's a brand unto himself. Absolutely. He's, so. he's Captain. Spoilers. He's Captain America now. Right. Absolutely. He's yeah. the captain now. Yeah, he is. So I mean, and and it's about time. And I think he's great um, in that role. So yeah, uh, no no complaints from me. I think Anthony Mackie is a wonderful actor. But yeah, it is. It's it's 
it's always kind of jarring to remember, oh yeah, he existed before Marvel decided he did. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's he's been around for a while. Okay, mm-hmm. good to remember. Good to remember. <laughs> Look, actors don't exist until Marvel picks them up. We know that. I mean, that's that's true. That is now a part of the historical record. Speaking of actors that uh that Marvel picked up, Dominic Cooper's in this movie too. Uh, he was in another Captain America movie, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. He played Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark, in that movie. Uh, was also in the TV oh. show Agent Carter, playing the same role. Uh, but he he also now is, uh, or was, rather, I guess the show's not on anymore, was on the show Preacher, uh, where he played another uh, comic book character. Um, but he's, uh, and again, it'd be difficult for you to know based on the fact that most people have only seen him play American characters. Uh, he's a British actor and uh, was a British theater actor for a while, was actually part of the cast of the the film, The History Boys, uh, which was uh, also the film that gave us James Corden. So we have we have uh, we have the History Boys to thank for uh, for James Corden and Dominic Cooper, the yin and yang, if you will. OK, interesting. The two sides of that coin. So, yeah, that was a play. Um, on uh uh in the west end uh, actually a very good play i've read it it's it's a fantastic play um but both of them were in that show and um they both came out pretty great honestly and both were in the film adaptation as well uh which stars uncle vernon himself richard griffiths so abraham lincoln vampire hunter i i'm hey it's it's tangentially relevant Come on. <laughs> this is a little bit more relevant, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about an actor in the film. Come on. Yeah, that, that is. That's pretty good. That's only one degree of separation. That's pretty good for you guys. Uh, I was gonna say, we are we are kind of known for our tangents. Uh, wow. So. I mean, that's wow. what makes podcasts great. I mean, it's all tangential. It's great. I didn't Come know on, Owen. Man. I didn't know Owen Wilson joined the, the podcast there for a second. Just, wow. 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 Wow, Joseph. Wow. I mean, just Joseph up here. He's our guest and he's just insulting our podcast. How I know. I'm not sir. insulting. How <laughs> dare you, sir? Playful jabs at best. Please leave I... the Zoom call. This episode is over. Good night, everybody. No, we've already, done, we've already done that joke three times. No, we've already done the three. We can't do any more. Oh, if you do no. a fourth, it ruins it. I. Uh, Here's the thing. When I say it at the end of the episode, now no one will believe me. That's the Absolutely. problem. That's the problem. Uh, I don't know. Forever. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, any Anyone else have any, any points about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter they wanted to raise? Um, I've kind of talked about most of the, the things that I wanted to talk about. Generally, just the absurdity, the overall absurdity of the film and, and the incongruous tone that it sets uh, throughout was, was uh, off-putting for me, which again, I call the, the Constantine problem, but yeah, no, this is this ridiculous fun. The fight choreography was very good. All I, right, that sounds like I fell right between the pair of you. I because I, I also had the same complaints as Steven, but I also loved the nonsense like Brett did. So I think I'm right there between you guys. That that's bound to happen. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the box office then for this film. Mm. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, uh, comes out the weekend of June 22nd, 2012. Uh, actually, I think the actual release date was uh, twenty June 20th, Wednesday, June 20th. Uh, it comes out number three that week. Mm. Uh, in number one, another new movie opening that week. Uh, it is Disney Pixar's Brave. Uh, in which uh, a Scottish girl uh, shoots arrows and uh, does not get married. Uh, Also, people turn into bears, question mark. 
Um, a lot of people turn into bears in that movie, which is kind of weird. Oh. Um, then uh, number two, uh, down from number one the week before, in its third week, it's Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, in which the zoo animals from the Madagascar films go to Europe to be in the circus. Can't, okay. I can't believe that that not only got two sequels, but successful sequels. DreamWorks, on, here's the thing. Any DreamWorks movie that did not get a sequel, we can probably talk about on this podcast because DreamWorks is one of those uh, companies that you feel like every movie they make, they're like, it's they're ramping it up to be their next major franchise, um, a la Shrek or Madagascar. Um, the, the, every movie they put out has that energy and so few of them actually hit. It's just kind of like they're throwing stuff at the wall until, to see what sticks. Versus, say, an animation company like Leica, who I have nothing but respect for, because Leica is absolutely incredible, and they've, their films are really great. Paranorman, Missing Link, stuff like that. All of their movies are designed not to get sequels, because they're like, well, we're theoretically talking about the most important day of our characters' lives. And if we sequelize that, it kind of diminishes the reality of the first thing. Um, so none of our movies will have sequels. So we'll never see Paranorman 2, which is on the one hand, kind of a bummer, but on the other hand, kind of great because then Paranorman gets to be its own perfect thing. Yeah. I respect that philosophy. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then in third place opening this week, it's Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter, which opens, it opens to $16.3 million in its opening weekend. Remember that number. Uh, in fourth place, in its third weekend, down from number two the week before, it's Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Mm. And in fifth place, uh, staying in fifth place from the week before, uh, out of uh, in its fourth week is Snow White and the Huntsman, a movie that weirdly got a sequel. I'm, I'm shocked and surprised that that movie got a sequel. But it did. Mm. Uh, and then rounding out the top ten, you've got Rock of Ages, um, the jukebox musical starring Tom Cruise. Uh, That's my boy in which Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg play father and son. Uh, The Avengers, uh, which has been hanging on for eight weeks. It's down in eighth place and has so far earned $598 million in eight weeks. Mm. Yep. Sounds Sounds right. right. Sounds right. Speaking of Marvel, uh, in ninth place, down from six the week before, it's Men in Black 3, which in its fifth week has earned $163.5 million. Uh, and then uh, in number 10, also opening this week, it is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That Steve Carell, Kira Knightley movie. Uh, so this movie earned $16.3 million in its opening weekend. It would go on to gross a total domestic box office of million dollars uh so not a great turn on return on investment earns maybe another 21 million in its entire rest of its run so not a good multiplier uh international box office would net it uh 99.9 million dollars for a grand total of about 137.5 million all told Mm. uh so not a great multiplier obviously we will not be the the Audiences were not clamoring for a sequel to Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Uh, The Tomatometer score is 34%. Uh, The critics' consensus, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, has visual style to spare, 
but its overly serious tone doesn't jibe with its decidedly silly central premise, leaving filmgoers with an unfulfilling blend of clashing ingredients. My point. That's what we said there. Yeah. Uh, the meta score is 42, uh, which is uh, based on uh, 35 mixed or average reviews from critics. I would say about 14 mixed to 12 positive, nine negative there is the breakdown. Uh, and then Letterboxd, the Letterbox score is a 2.4. Joseph, as our guest, what did you rank Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter out of five stars? I feel like I had basically as much fun with this one as I did Space Truckers, which I think I gave a three. If that sounds right, I'm going to give this a three. Okay. That's where I land on this. All right. Brett? I gave it a 3.5. Thought it was okay. uh, a lot of fun. Very goofy. Ridiculous to an absurd degree. Uh, the fight choreography was awesome. And it's vampires. Where, whereas I, like Constantine before it, I, I gave this one a two. I did not have as much fun with this one. Uh, for all the aforestated reasons, I honestly, I did like the cast, which is probably why it wasn't a 1.5. Uh, because of all the the mad respect I have for the cast and the the fun fun choices that they're making, but ultimately, just not a not my tempo, not my speed. But did you um, like this better than Constantine? Uh, let, actually, let me check my letterbox rankings right now while I'm while I'm sitting here not doing anything. Curious how the two compare. Well, how about don't check your letterbox score just off the hip? Did you like it better than Constantine? His letterbox is his mind, Brent. It's true. <laughs> I, yeah. I put it on letterbox so I don't have to think about it later. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> uh, I did rank this one below Constantine. Oh, okay. What'd you give Constantine? Uh, I also gave Constantine two stars. Oh, okay. But I've got, uh, there is on my letterbox, uh, Chewy Walrus on letterbox, letterbox.com slash Chewy Walrus. Uh, I do have a letterbox list ranking every movie that we've talked about for this podcast. Uh, and uh, Constantine is currently sitting at number 29. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is currently sitting at 33. So, and is Popeye number one? Uh, Popeye is number five. What's your number one? Uh, well, I guess we didn't really talk about it, but we did rank it. Um, the aforementioned Jaws. Oh, of course. I did. I do remember saying it was a perfect film of films that Brett and I actually, the actual Brett and I have discussed in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Master and Commander is my number one. Of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So, there you go. And didn't you post something recently about them possibly bringing that franchise back? Uh, Master and Commander. Yeah. They're going to, it seems like someone wants, someone somewhere wants to reboot it. Okay. Uh, although it, you know, there's a not listener be... of your podcast was like, Hmm, mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I, I'd like to think that's true. It's absolutely um, what happened. 100%. <laughs> it's a disenfranchised bump, baby, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, there's obviously Peter Weir and, um, Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany will probably not be involved. Uh, so, I mean, while I am certainly interested, I don't know if it will ever be as good as sure. master and commander colon sure. the far side of the world so all right that's just my thought on the matter though so yeah, to each his good. own to each his own uh joseph you uh we talked a little bit the last time that you were on our show about the endless elsewhere and uh kind of the the world that you have crafted uh through a series of novels and radio plays and 
graphic novels and many, many, many other things, short stories, um, audio dramas. Um, but you have now expanded that out into its own podcast. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the Endless Elsewhere podcast. Tell us about how it kind of fits into that world that you've described. Tell us about how Brett and I fit into that world as well. Uh, like fill <laughs> us in, man. Tell us all about it. All right. So the Endless Elsewhere podcast, which launched a few weeks ago, um, it's a docudrama. It's a docuseries being created by a character from the story whose name is Lindsay Mallon. She is the current host of Circle City Supernatural, which is a long running late night paranormal show that has existed in the story since almost the beginning. And what she does is she investigates more or less all the major events of the series. And she recruits a character that I created, which is largely myself. Essentially, we're she and I, we we joke about it. We're, we're essentially playing just alternate reality versions of ourselves. Don't think that I haven't noticed that. By Every, the way. Everybody else is a character. She and I are more or less just us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the great thing about the podcast is it's such a great entry point because a lot of people, they go to the website or they hear about us and they check us out and they see that there's 40 50 installments and they don't know where to begin and it just seems very overwhelming but the great thing about the podcast is it kind of exists as the nexus of the universe because it is for people who have no idea what any of it is and it draws from all the disparate places on the timeline so if you've never read the books if you haven't seen the short films if you haven't listened to the other radio plays or the podcast it pulls all that in and makes it digestible for you. And my hope is, of course, that people enjoy the podcast enough that they will then want to branch out and check out those other things. Like they'll want to read the books and the comics and all that other stuff. But again, and this is actually reiterated in the podcast itself, it's not for people who have experienced everything else. It's for anybody off the street. Anybody can listen to it and follow along. I think that was most of it. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and I guess... At this point, you're coming up on the on the finale here fairly soon, right? When uh, this when is this episode going to drop? Is it going to be next uh, Thursday? This will drop on. It'll be uh, the first July first. Okay, so at the time of this dropping, all of the episodes will be up. There was oh, five. Okay. There was five chapters in season one that we would have the finale on June thirtieth. We have two more to launch from the time of this recording. Um, so yeah, they will all be available right now. So if you want to go binge the entire series, I encourage you to do so. And Brett and I also encourage you to do so. If you listen really closely <laughs> in episode two, uh, a couple of callers into Super City Supernatural might sound familiar to you. Absolutely. And then we Absolutely. get to uh, chapter four and chapter five where things start getting heavy and Steven's long running character and a fan favorite, Keith Sorrell shows up and ooh, things get things get heavy. As a fan of The Endless Elsewhere, I can certainly say he's my favorite character. Oh, so. 100%. Sure. <laughs> You're not biased or anything. Uh, no, of <laughs> course not. I mean, and here's the thing. I talked about this the last time you were on. It's 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 so incredibly rewarding to have a creator craft a character essentially for you and around what, you're, what you are and what they hope you are able to do. Uh, and so it's it's I always have fun kind of figuring out where Soros is going next and and what his next steps and and things are and and joseph has never failed to to give me plenty to do which i am constantly <laughs> grateful for uh and it's always fun to uh to put on the put on the hat and coat again and uh and go out monsters. i actually 
at work the other day, I mentioned to uh, a group that I was training that I, I play a monster hunter that everyone's like, I have everyone give like a, a fun fact about themselves. And my fun fact is always that I'm a comic book superhero, which <laughs> thanks to you, I am. Um, and I show them, you know, a picture from the comic and everyone's like, Oh, that's cool. Where can we get that? And so I tell them about the endless elsewhere and like, what's, what's your superpower? I was like, well, I'm a detective, but I also hunt monsters. And so that, that, and so the running gag through this last class that I was training was, uh, well, you're a, you know, you're a monster hunter. So should you really be wasting your time with blah, blah, blah was kind of that, the thing that they would always kind of throw at me throughout uh, training, which was, which was a lot of fun. So. Well, well, working in um, working the phones and talking to customers, that's a great way to suss out monsters, <laughs> which you can then go and put down <laughs> as, as Lindsay, as Lindsay Mallon is, uh, is more than versed in. Absolutely. As, Absolutely. as, as the, the host of super city to supernatural, wherein she talks to all sorts of colorful characters, like say, for example, uh, a man who happens to think that all the sunflowers are looking at him. <laughs> look, I, look, you didn't think they were, they were, <laughs> they were, okay. they were, no, he was not hallucinating. That was a real Okay. Thing. That, so the, <laughs> that we have, we have now the author signing off on this. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. I he, just, I want to see, I want to see sunflower man become a recurring character in the endless elsewhere. That's, that's, oh, that's oh, what, sure. I want. That's what sure. I want. Look, your, your character needs a new partner, Steven. So I'm just saying, that's, <laughs> Hey, as far as I'm concerned, we're always open to recruiting new people with weird experiences at the end, at the unclosing eye detective agency. So hundred percent now, now whether little, or not the author agrees with that statement, I don't know. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure I can make that happen. I'm Fun little sure side note about a uh, Brett's story. Cause Brett does play the sunflower caller. That story originated from my son. We were driving home from the park once and we were going past a field of just nothing but sunflowers. And out of nowhere, this kid, and this was like years ago, he was like four years old. He turns to me, he's like, dad, what if one of those flowers just like turned around and looked at us? And it was the creepiest thing I've ever heard, especially coming from a little kid. I was like, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to put days. that in something. <laughs> no, and I, I mean that, first of all, coming from one of your children that surprises me not at all oh for sure for sure the bunch of freaks <laughs> i mean they they do take after their father in that regard mm -hmm. um absolutely <laughs> but um but secondly like kids are just creepy like kids come up with creepy stuff absolutely they don't even mean to they just they're just naturally creepy yeah i don't know what it is but yeah i mean you know you hear kids talking about oh you know my my imaginary friend who has you know dark fluid coming out of her eyes and and braids around her neck and you're just like okay you you're you're not allowed to do anything anymore a couple of months ago my my eldest daughter we were talking about imaginary friends for some reason and she asked me if i ever had one as a kid and i got really really serious and i can play i can play straight very well and i was like you can i was like oh i, I still do sweetheart and i and then i then i slowly shifted my gaze over her right shoulder oh that poor kid <laughs> She left the room. She's like, what is happening right now? I was like, no, sweetheart, I'm messing with you. Come back, come back. I'm messing with you. <laughs> I felt bad after that. I got her so good. I was going to say, and I, I remember you telling, because the very first comic book that we did, you had a, uh, you had purchased a werewolf. Like, oh yeah, yeah. The, the animatronic. Yeah. Yeah. The animatronic werewolf. And you, you left it like, just not even thinking about it, just left it sitting in your garage <laughs> <laughs> and when your wife was taking your children to school, mm -hmm. they walked into the garage and there's just this giant snarling <laughs> werewolf just standing yep. 
in the garage and you've apparently traumatized those poor children time That's and time a, again. And that was a few years ago. They've, they've pretty much gotten used to walking in the garage and finding something bananas. Not, not a whole lot phases them anymore. We have a casket out in the, out in the garage right now. I was going to say nothing, you've had that casket for a while, for a while, for sure. So nothing really bothers them anymore. You have actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, which was a, it was a tight fit, but I, but I made it work. We made it work. Oh, that was a precarious shoot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. For the <laughs> listeners that don't know, I'm a, I'm a very large individual, so fitting inside an enclosed spaces is not my idea of a good time. <laughs> but there you go. You did it for art, baby. That's you did right. It for we, art. We suffer for our craft. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, but and and that was for one another one of your graphic novels. So, um, which you recently uh packaged during the pandemic actually you packaged all of those uh together in in a kind of one large graphic novel called the irregulars the regulars the regulars oh the regulars okay yes um yeah it was our first photographic novel it's 412 pages it's a massive volume um it's on kindle for a decent price there's also physical copies available at endlesselsewhere.com and if you buy it directly from me i will sign it before i ship it to you that's true and uh and if if you if you are a part of it and you know he gives you one he'll he'll sign those before he hand delivers them to your house so yeah there you go <laughs> that that happens also uh, at least I, at least that's my experience um but no it's it i've i've very much and you've got a uh an appearance at a local convention coming up here pretty soon right yes uh mid july i believe it's july 9 10 and 11 that's a friday saturday sunday so it'll be next week as of the airing of this episode Oh yes, which is even better. That's yeah, that's a great public. We timed this so well. Good on us. Yes, I'm thinking, um, man. Indie PopCon at the Indiana Convention Center downtown, where you're going to have one of the big corner booths. We're going to have our books. We're going to have stickers and magnets and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff to give out. We're going to really try to push the new podcast. Really try to make people aware of it, especially because we're you know we're doing everything local. So it's nice to have a local crowd come out and we just kind of get them into it. And there's a since the whole thing takes place in a fictitious circle city, like a quasi version of Indianapolis, it's right up everybody's alley. So if you are in Indianapolis and available next weekend, uh, make sure to check out uh, the endless elsewhere at Indie PopCon. Let Joseph and his wife know that the disenfranchised podcast sent you. And I'm sure he'll like pray for you and, you know, maybe oh, yeah. do some laying on of hands and, might try to smudge the the spirits out of you or something. I don't know. <laughs> All entirely possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, what what uh, where can we find you on uh, on social media, Joseph? I know you do have something of a social media presence, even though you tend to live only on Instagram. I do. Yeah, we uh, we have accounts on all the big ones: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I'm not much for it. I just kind of post stuff about the work and that's more or less it. Um, if you go to the aforementioned endlesselsewhere.com, there are tabs and buttons to go to all the different social medias. That's also where you will find the short stories, the novels, the short films, the audio plays, the podcast, uh, the comic books, the photographic comic books. We have nine of those individual. And like Steven said, we put them all together into a photographic novel recently called The Regulars. You can find just literally everything there endlesselsewhere.com you also seem to be from from what i've observed a big fan of releasing things individually and then collecting them all later on down the line so you've yeah, got it's, like I, it's the it's the organizer in me it's like i don't like a, <laughs> it's i don't like a mess it's like once you put a bunch of stuff out there it's like well you know what to make it you know 
copacetic for everybody. Just put them all together in a single volume and give them that. We did that right. with the short stories too, a couple of years Correct. ago. Yeah. And then you did that with the radio plays. You actually created a precursor Absolutely. podcast called The Unmaking of Monsters, which Absolutely. includes all the radio plays. And in fact, you and I recorded a radio play specifically for that podcast. That was the only, I think, one of the radio plays that debuted as a part of that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It was the only one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because everything uh, else we had done before. That was the Unmaking of Monsters podcast, if anyone wants to check that out. And actually, because of the growing success of the new show, the Endless Elsewhere podcast, we've driven the numbers of the old podcast up quite a bit. Nice. So it's been kind of cool to have the one do the other. Because it's kind of what we it's kind of what we were planning to do with the podcast anyway, is just introduce everybody to the whole universe and then have them check out everything else. Like the views on the short films on YouTube have gone up. So it seems to be nice. working. So hopefully we can just keep this thing going. That's and speaking fantastic. of keeping this thing going, we launched our Patreon just a couple of days ago. Yes. As of this morning, we got a couple of brand new people on there already. So if you want to support us on Patreon, there's going to be a bunch of exclusive content. We've tried to make it a an in-universe Patreon account since they discuss it in the show. So your benefits as a patron is access to the Circle City Supernatural Archive. So it's going to be a bunch of funny and scary stories that people call in to tell Lindsay's character about. And then you as a patron will have access to all of those. We have one up there right now. It's a really good one. We're going to try to add two or three a month, depending on how it goes. But yeah, check it out. Uh, the, one, too, the, the one up there right now um, featuring uh, past and future guest Tucker as absolutely, well. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. He did a great job. It's very funny. It's kind of spooky. It is. It's, it's, it's a really good one. Actually. He I, did a great I had job. A good time with that one. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Uh, but the, but the link to that is also on the website, endlesselsewhere.com. You can check that out if you're so inclined. Yeah. And I think the, there's only one level of entry right now and it's, it's just four bucks. So it's even cheaper than most Patreons. I've so. tried to keep it pretty simple. I was like, we could do a bunch of different tiers or we could just do one simple cheap tier and give everybody the stuff that way. And that's what we're going with for now. All right. That, Hey, that sounds good to me. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours, big fan of, of the stuff that you put out. And I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm grateful to be on the inside track there. Anytime you come out with something new, I usually get a, a text or an update like, Hey, we're doing this. And I'm like, great. Love it. Oh yeah. Sign oh, yeah. me up. When, when does my character come in? You're, you're one of like two or three people who, who knows what's going on months in advance. Oh, and I love, and I love to be on that again. Love that inside track, baby. The, uh, the, the potential spoilers here. If you haven't listened to the podcast, go check it out. Um, there's a great thing that happens. I'm going to try to dance around this where, and I, and I, I designed the first season kind of as a trick where the first couple episodes, really the first three episodes feel like one of those docudrama podcasts. Cause there are several out there, but they just, they, they get kind of dry. They get kind of, kind of boring because nothing ever actually happens. They just have interesting conversations. Well, something happens about halfway through the season where all that goes away and your main characters are pulled into the story. And then for fans of my audio dramas who are already familiar with my work, will know exactly what's in store. <laughs> it becomes yeah. one of those very much very quickly. And it becomes so much more exciting for the rest of the season. And hopefully it, that's not giving too much away. No, I don't, I don't think it is. And I, okay, good. For, for those that are not familiar with Joseph's work, it reminds me, honestly, the podcast is set up a lot like the black tapes Yes. that's that's a good comparison another probably a better comparison is uh video palace if anybody's familiar with video palace well, i'm not shutter the streaming service did a docudrama podcast along those lines which was just fantastic um okay. so if you're a if you've heard that when you're a fan of that that's largely what our show is kind of like is yeah. those, those those docudramas that turn supernatural and scary really quickly 
Yeah, and there, there's also the one I, I think I recommended it to you last time you were on, the one from the BBC. Um, oh, that, the uh, Lovecraft Chronicles yeah. or something like that? Yeah, the one that adapts. There's three seasons, and each one is an adaptation. It's all one story, but each season is more or less a loose adaptation of a Lovecraft story. But they gotcha. tie it together into one big overarching thing. Multiple nice. installments telling a single story? It'll never work. What? <laughs> Whoever would whoever attempt such a feat is a madman. <laughs> madman. Who's going to just cause himself madman. constant problems and paint himself into corners all the time. It's like staring <laughs> directly into out. the abyss for days <laughs> on end. stares back. For days on end. <laughs> all right. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are always, always thrilled to have you on. Always enjoy talking to you. Uh, and we will, obviously, we'll have you back at some point in the future. The audience, Our audience has not heard the last of you. Um, <laughs> yes thank you for having me i absolutely love coming on i will do my best to find another bananas movie for us to watch next time i i expect nothing less from you. something sir. i've never seen something absolutely crazy that i choose by the title so choose <laughs> by the title alone and nothing else <laughs> absolutely. um just make sure please that you check out joseph uh endless elsewhere.com find him on social media listen to the endless elsewhere podcast the unmaking monster podcast his audio dramas and short films are all free online and if you like those uh pay for his stories pay for his novels they're they're good they're all really and we, good. we try to keep those pretty cheap uh the short stories are just a buck on kindle i think the novels and the anthologies are like 3.99 uh the comics are like 199 2.99 mm-hmm. um and if you want physical copies of any of the stuff it's all available on the website it ships directly from me. I will sign it for you and yeah, yeah. check it out. It's, it's, it's all good stuff. I, I recommend it. And honestly, the, the graphic novel too, the, the paper printing quality on that is top notch. It is. It's and it's, real good. it's, it's quite expensive. It's kind of an investment to make in it. It's like 40, $45 just to print it. And I, I charge pretty much at cost because just because I want people to have it, but it's again, it's like 10 pounds. It's 412 pages. It's premium paper. It's glossy. It's just a beautiful tome. It looks so, so if, pretty if you're it, it, absolutely, absolutely. If, if you're into physical media, this is for you. Physical media forever, baby says the, uh, DVD and we will have behind me. of that and the novels at the indie popcorn there you go so if again if you're local to the indianapolis area and uh wanting to uh want to brave the uh brave the world again indie popcorn again look for the endless elsewhere booth and uh joseph and uh lindsey his wife who the inspiration for the lindsey mallon character my will, beloved bride uh, will both be there uh to talk all about the endless elsewhere and to sign anything you buy so absolutely Definitely check that out. While we are the disenfranchised podcast, that's this podcast that you've been listening to. That's us. Uh, you can find us on social media at disenfranchpod. We are on uh, Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And now, drum roll, please. We are on Letterboxd uh, at disenfranchpod on all of those platforms. Uh, so check us out. Give us a follow. Uh, engage with us. Why don't you? We, we love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you like about the show. Uh, maybe some areas in which we can improve, but you know, let's be honest, we're kind of locked in. Um, but you know, we, we do want to hear from you. We do want to hear what you're enjoying. We want to hear, uh, maybe some movies that you'd like for us to cover. So make sure you hit us up disenfranchpod at gmail.com with, uh, with your thoughts and who knows, we might read those on the air here. And, and if we do, we might, uh, also, if you make a recommendation, we'll, we'll try to get it on the schedule as sooner than later. Um, 
Also, uh, head on over to your podcatcher of choice, and particularly if that is Apple Podcasts, give us a nice five-star rating and review. We sure would appreciate it. That's going to increase our visibility, help us find other listeners like yourselves, and uh, we are absolutely thrilled to to do so. So please, please let us have let us have that, uh, please. And again, if you recommend, if you uh, suggest a movie through that um, through that, we will probably again try to get it on the schedule sooner than later as well. Um, we. Or I am Stephen Foxworthy. I'm one of your co-hosts. Uh, I can be found on social media on uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at Chewy Walrus. Brett, such as you are existing on social media right now, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus, S-U-S underscore Warlock. All right. Got all the social media matchy-matchy again. I love it. Indeed. Fantastic. Well, that I think for real this time is our episode <laughs> on Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter uh, for my co-host, Brett Wright, uh, for our special guest, JP Leck and myself, Stephen Foxworthy, one of your co-hosts. I, I would finish out with a Lincoln quote, but I don't know any that aren't the Gettysburg Address. So <laughs> happy um, birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. God Ooh. bless you.